0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به امين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we've reached our next lesson of the creed of the righteous um, and in the previous weeks, we've discussed um, the importance of, of, of seeking knowledge. We've been, we discussed the importance of acting upon our knowledge. And of course, uh, last week, we spoke about the importance of a dawah um, and inviting others, and calling others to Islam, calling others to the knowledge that we've learned and so forth. And um, as we've mentioned, we are going through the book, Thalathatul uh, Usul. The Three Fundamental Principles of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, Rahimahullah. And we are reading from a commentary from uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Qasim, who is one of the imams of Masjid nabawi in Al-Madinah. Alhamdulillah And so we've mentioned that the author, Rahimahullah, he's started off the book by saying that it is compulsory upon each person that they learn, that they study, that they uh, know the importance of four issues – the first is al-ilm, the first is the importance of knowledge, um, and specifically knowledge of Allah, knowledge of his Prophet, knowledge of Islam, along with its evidences. This was discussed a few weeks back, Alhamdulillah. Then we, he said the second point is al-amal, the importance of acting by our knowledge, the importance of implementing whatever we have learned of knowledge. And then he said the importance of um, al to ilayhi. The ...importance of giving da'wah and calling to what we've learned. So after we implement what we've learned, the next step then is to then call others to this knowledge, call others to this religion, call others to the Qur'an and call others to the Sunnah, insha'Allah ta'ala. Tonight, the author rahimahullah, he carries on and he says, 'ah, The fourth matter, the fourth matter that is important that every person knows, that every person understands, that every person studies is to have patience upon the harms that he will that upon the harms uh relating to da'wah asadru ala al-adha fi fi what does fi mean fi means yeah, referring to da'wah that when a person goes out and does da'wah when a person goes out and he calls others to sound knowledge to the quran and the sunnah then he must understand he must know that He will face difficulties in this path. He will face challenges in this path. Um, And this is the point that the author, Rahimahullah, is saying. That you must know that with this path of seeking knowledge, acting and implementing your knowledge, calling others to this knowledge, calling others to Islam, calling others to the haqq, with this will come challenges. With this will come some difficulty. Maybe even some harm. Maybe even some physical harm. And maybe even worse, that, worse than that. Wallahu musta'an. So what is then required is that each person has sabr when he treads this path. When he follows this path. Because this is the path of the Anbiya. This is the path of the Ar-Rusul. The Prophets and the Messengers, this was their path that they followed. They received Wahy. They, def- they received divine inspiration from Allah Azza wa So they, de- they acquired knowledge. They of course implemented what they learned and then they went and they did da'wah. They went and they called others to their knowledge. They gave others the message. And through that they faced lots of difficulty. They faced persecution, they faced torture, they faced um, being excommunicated from their communities and harm and so forth. And we see this throughout the Quran, the stories of the prophets, the stories of of so many of them and of the difficulties that they faced from their own people, from their families, from their friends who turned their backs on them the moment that they started calling others to the truth. Um, And we know from the story of uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we look at his seerah and the difficulty that he faced in Makkah, that for 13 years in Makkah, Yet he went through difficulty for 13 years straight. Such that they eventually had to, all all Muslims had to leave Mecca and leave to Al-Madinah. They had to make Hijrah. Because the persecution became so severe. The torture became so severe. The hardships that that they had to face, that they faced became so severe. Subhanallah. So this is part of the Sunnah, we can say, of giving da'wah, is that very often, we find that a person faces some, some great difficulty in this path. Hence, he requires a lot of, of sabr in this path. We look at the Sahaba, what they faced in Makkah as well. How many of them were tortured so much. And then we look at the great scholars of Islam, who followed their path as well, who also faced persecution, who were jailed, who were beaten. We look at the likes of Imam Ah. Ahmad ibn Hanbal, who was jailed, prisoned, imprisoned, and he was beaten severely. He was beaten severely. It is said that he was put on the back of, of, a, of, uh, of a car to something that was attached to a donkey and he was dragged through the streets and he was lashed and beaten by the by the, by the guards and, of the prison and so forth. Yet, alhamdulillah, he persevered. He maintained his level of sabr. And in the end, Alhamdulillah, Allah granted him victory. We look at many other great scholars of Islam who went through similar um, difficulties. Shaykhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, similarly was imprisoned a few times in his life and even passed away in prison. For what reason? For standing up for the truth. For standing up for the correct belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. In the end, Allah gave him victory. Even though he died in jail, even though he died in prison, but this is because he maintained his sincerity to Allah Azza wa and he maintained his level of sabr. He persevered, and he acted, he understood this is part of this part of the path. This is how it goes. This is how it happens at times, Subhanallah. And this reminds us of the hadith of the strangers, the strangers. The Prophet sallallahu said, "Bada al غريباً Wa غريباً he said that Islam began as something strange. In the early days, Islam was strange to the people. The Muslims were strangers. And then he says, and it will go back to being strange. It will go back to being strange. Yeah, I mean, so what happened was Islam started strange. And then as time went by, the Islam became stronger. And, and the Muslims were no longer considered as strangers. But as time goes on, Islam will become strange once again. And so Rasulullah he said, lil So give glad tidings to the strangers. Who are the strangers? Ya Rasulullah, they said. In one narration, he said, "They are those who rectify what the people have corrupted. They are those who rectify what the people have corrupted." And this reminds us of these scholars, for example, who rectified what the people corrupted, and but they faced persecution for this. They became strangers in their communities. They became strangers in their lands and they were beaten and imprisoned for this Wallahu mustaan But Alhamdulillah as we said they had sabr, they showed the, the light, they showed the way and they stuck to the way of the Prophets. And in, in the end Allah gave them glad tidings by giving them victory already in this world. Some of them saw it in their lives and some only saw it after and Allah Azza wa knows best. So the Da'i, the person who mixes with people, The person who who mixes with people. And there's a big difference between somebody who stays away from people. You know, sometimes we have students of knowledge. They seek knowledge. They acquire knowledge. But they don't mix with their people. So what they do is they stay away. They maybe busy themselves with other things. But they don't end up mixing with their own people. And when we say mixing, we mean they don't end up teaching. They don't end up encouraging others. They don't end up, you know, commanding the good, forbidding the evil. Amongst their people, and so they don't face this type of persecution because they have basically excused themselves from this. But the da'i who mixes with the people and wallahi, it is far better to mix with the people, face that hardships, face that difficulties with sabr than avoiding it. The reward there far outweighs the the, the, the reward of staying away from um. The difficulties, that, the difficulties that comes with the da'wah. So the da'i that mixes with the people. And he has to face them and face their desires and face their opinions and face their beliefs that are incorrect. He has to deal with all of this. What will happen is he may be harmed in the process because he, he always has to teach people the correct thing. He always has to you know, rectify some type of wrong. And through this, what happens? At times, people will abuse him. People will become angry with him. People will belittle him, and so forth. But this person, he, he should remain patient and seek the reward of Allah. He should then remain patient and seek the reward of Allah, and he should know that his reward will only be magnified for dunya wal akhirah. Imam Malik, rahimahullah, he said, "Do not envy the person who." Is not afflicted in this matter with any type of test. Do not envy the person who, in this affair, meaning in the field of da'wah, is not tested in any way. Do not envy this person because this person may not be upon the path of the of the of the righteous, upon the path of the of the prophets, subhanallah. Because the prophets all had to endure, they all faced these difficulties. And this we will see. And we will see this, you know, our brothers and sisters in Islam, we will see this, that this doesn't only apply to the scholars, this even applies to whom? In people's own homes, lay people, but they've learned something, and the moment they try to convey that message, what happens? They become a stranger in their own home, they face difficulty in their own home, they face perhaps uh, mockery and and ridicule in their own home, from their own families, or from their own friends, because they are now conveying a message. They are conveying something that they've learned, subhanAllah. So this type of sabr that's required is not just for the shuyukh and for the duaat that are out there, even for people, for lay people who are, you know, mixing with their friends and families and, and giving them the message, they should understand that that little bit of da'wah that you are doing, that little bit of teaching that you are doing in your own way, in your according to your own level, it requires sabr. It requires sabr because you may face a backlash. You may face people's anger and so forth. So even to, 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 to all of us, this should be the way of every Muslim. We seek knowledge, we implement our knowledge, and we try to convey the message to others. We try to teach somebody something. And when you face a backlash, do not become angry. Do not lose your cool. Do not become abusive. Do not treat the person the way they're treating you. Show them sabr. Show them sabr. Show them perseverance. Have patience with them. Have patience with them. Have patience with them. And make dua for them. And just keep giving the message. And inshallah, Allah will turn their hearts. Because only Allah can guide. Only Allah can turn the hearts. But it's required of the da'i. And whether the, as we said, whether this person is a public figure or not. Whether it's just a normal lay person giving da'wah in their own way to their own family and so forth. This requires a lot of sadr. This requires sadr. And this da'i who, who follows this path, he will see success insha'Allah. Just like those before him, they saw success. And as we said, success is not is not necessarily, will, be, will not necessarily be seen in your life. Success may, victory may even come after you've died. You may plant a seed for the sake of Allah. You bear patience and you died without seeing any results. Some years later, Allah changes that person's heart. And that person changes. And that person changes thousands of people perhaps or hundreds of people. But how did that person change? By that seed that you left. And so in your qabr, you will start to see the rewards. And in your akhirah, you will see the rewards. And through this, you, are, you have now been successful. You have achieved, you've won the battle, even though you are in your qabr. Alhamdulillah, because of sabr, because of perseverance. And this was the case of some mashayikh, as we said. They, they left a legacy of knowledge which few people followed at the time whilst they were alive. But today they are being followed by hundreds of thousands. Because only after they passed away did Allah open up the doors and Allah spread their da'wah and Allah spread their teachings. And now they are reaping the benefits whilst they are laying in their qabr for many years already. Wallah, walhamdulillah. So we have to understand that this is the, the methodology of the, the Prophets. The methodology of the prophets is that they don't seek knowledge only for themselves. Initially, they seek knowledge for themselves, yes, to benefit themselves. After they've acquired a little bit of knowledge, they then try and come and spread the message to others. They then try and spread. Even if it's one ayah, even if it's one hadith, a small bit of teaching here and there can go a long way if it comes from the sincere heart. If it comes from a sincere heart. So let each person do this. As the As the Prophet said, convey from me even if, it's from, even if it's just one ayah. Even if it's one ayah that you know, convey the message insha'Allah. And with sober and yaqeen, with sober and, and certainty and, and, and conviction, the person will, will find victory. Ibn Taymiyyah he said, whoever was given sabr. Whom was given patience and perseverance and conviction, Allah Azza wa Jalla will make him an imam in the religion. He will make him a leader of this religion. Any person who has patience and true conviction in his message and in his belief, Allah will make him a leader in this religion. And as we said, this can be, you know, in a way that is where a person becomes a famous scholar a well-known scholar or even a person can become like an imam in his own personal space among his family. He's like an imam, meaning he, he helps people, he guides people, he assists people and so forth. So the, the prophets, this is what they faced. Allah Azza wa Jal, he said, وَلَقَدْ كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ فَصَبَرُوا عَلَى مَا كُذِّبُوا وَأُوذُوا حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ نَصْرُنَا Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, indeed, messengers before you, were rejected. Before you, the messengers were rejected. Some of them, many of them were rejected. But they patiently endured rejection and persecution until our help came to them. And yani Allah is telling us that before the Prophet already, the messengers, they faced this rejection. They faced harm. They faced lies. They faced all types of persecution. لَكِنْ فَصَبَرُوا but they 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 patiently endured. They persevered. attahum Nasruna until our help came to them, meaning until our assistance, our victory came to them. Alhamdulillah. So this is the way of the the anbiya. Allah Azza wa Jal He said, يُوحِي بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ زُخْرُفَ الْقَوْلِ غُرُورًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says and similarly we have created for every prophet an enemy we made an enemy for every prophet from shayateen and Insiwajin. the devils from amongst mankind and jinn kind that they are devils amongst people mankind and the jinn kind يُوحِي بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ they inspire one another with adorned speech as a delusion. This ayah teaches us that for every person who, who's, who's playing this role of the prophets, yani they are the heirs of the prophets, they are conveying the teachings of the prophets, they will have an enemy that, 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 will, that they will have to deal with, that they will have to have sabr with, that they will have to have lots of patience with, Subhanallah. وَإِن تصبروا وتتقوا لا يضركم كيلهم شيئا. But Allah says that if you have patience, and if you fear Allah, you hold your duty to Allah, you will not be harmed by their plots. Their plots will not harm you. So this is where victory comes insha'Allah. Victory comes with patience, and victory, com- victory comes with certainty, and victory comes with being steadfast. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He also said, تَصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقْ تَصْبِرْ Be patient. Stand firm. Persevere. For indeed the truth or the, the promise of Allah is true. Indeed the promise of Allah is true. So have patience. Be patient and insha'Allah you will achieve. تَصْبِرْ كَمَا صَبَرَ أُولُوَ الْعَزْلِ مِنَ rusul. Again Allah says, And be patient. Persevere, just like the ulul azm from amongst the messengers persevered, those messengers of the highest level of determination and so forth. Referring to whom? Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam referring to Ibrahim, referring to Nuh, referring to Musa and Isa. These are the five prophets, the messengers, the best of messengers who are known as the Ulul Azm, the messengers who reach the highest level. Prophet Muhammad. Muhammad, Prophet Abraham, Prophet Nuh or Noah, Prophet Moses and Prophet uh, Jesus. May Allah be pleased with all of them. They, were the, they reached the highest of levels. So we should persevere just like they persevere, as, as, as much as we can. So from sabr, what do we mean by sabr? The word sabr in Arabic means to restrain. To restrain. So here we mean to restrain oneself somebody abuses you, we have to restrain ourselves. Not to return or not to respond the same way with abuse. We restrain ourselves. We persevere. So it means It means to carry that harm. Meaning, somebody harms you, you carry it with you, take it with you. Meaning, that you don't let it get to you. Huh? You don't let it get to you. You... Take it by the way, this is this is part of it, this is how it goes, this is life, and you shrug it off and you carry on. It means to restrain one's anger, to suppress the anger. Sometimes people will rile you up, they will purposely say things to anger you, to get to you, to get you down. What's required is to suppress the anger, to make sure that it doesn't get to that point, and to overlook the faults of people. This is part of sabr, to overlook the faults of people. A person who can overlook, he will be able to achieve that sabr that is required, inshaAllah. <coughs> the Prophet sallallahu "Inna nasra he said, Indeed, victory and help comes with sabr. Your victory comes with sabr. To be victorious, we have to have sabr first and foremost. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanusbiru, wasabiru, warabitu, wattaqullaha la'allakum tuflihun. Encouraging us once again, O believers, have patience. Have patience, persevere. And keep your duty to Allah, and you will be successful. The author, rahimahullah, he then says, wa'ad-dalilu qawluhu ta'ala, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, wal'asr. إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ بِالْحَقِّ He is now bringing us evidence for what he has stated. What has he stated so far? That there are four things that we must know. That there are four things that we must know. What are these four things? Knowledge, acting upon the knowledge, calling others to the knowledge, and Patience. The evidence for this, he says, is, is found in Surah Al-Asr. One of the, if not the shortest, probably the second shortest chapter in the entire, entire Quran. Where Allah swears by time. And he says, by time. Wal-Asr. He swears by time. And when Allah swears by anything in the Quran, it's to give that thing importance. It's to make that thing, it's to magnify the importance of that thing. So Allah swears by time, telling us that time is important. Time is important. And time waits for no man as they say. Meaning that when you waste your time, you will end up in regret. When you have moments of freedom, use the time. Because tomorrow you will not have the opportunity to do what you would have liked to have done. So Allah swears by time and He says, Wal asr. And then He says, Innal khusr. Indeed, all of mankind are at loss. All of mankind are at loss. Now, this surah firstly really highlights the importance of, of time. And I think every person, every person who's reached a certain age will, will tell you, if only we did such and such, if only we achieved such and such, if only we managed to have done this in our youth. But time has moved. Time has moved on. So, let the youngsters out there make, make, make use of the youth. And let the parents out there make sure that their children make use of their youth. And let those who still have some time left, make the most of their time. But Allah then says, Indeed, all of mankind are at loss. Meaning that people are astray, people are off the correct path and so forth. But then Allah says, He makes an exception. Allah it makes an exception and he says, Illa ladina amanu, except for the people who believe, except for the true the people of Iman, the people who have true faith, the people who believe in Allah sincerely, the people of Tawheed, those who worship Allah alone, the people who believe in Allah and the messengers and the angels and the books that Allah has sent. And they believe in the last day and they believe in Allah's good and bad divine decree. These are the people of Iman, true people of faith. They can never be at loss. This is the first exception. إِلَّ Those who do righteous deeds. Those who do righteous deeds. Now, remember what we said? Four points were mentioned knowledge. Iman, where does knowledge come from? Where does Iman, sorry, faith come from? Iman, true faith can only come from sound knowledge. True faith can only come from sound knowledge. So, this is a proof that knowledge is important. And they do righteous deeds. This is the second point the author made of action. Action has to be implemented. And likewise, action must come after knowledge. It, it's built upon knowledge. So, this surah is already telling us the importance of faith and righteous deeds which is connected to seeking knowledge and connected to doing good righteous deeds what is a righteous deed a righteous deed is something which is done with sincerity to please allah alone not to please people not to show off and it is done following the methodology and the teachings of the prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him so this is two things that a righteous deed must contain. It's free from any type of shirk or polytheism, and it's free from any type of religious innovation, bid'ah. It's only based upon sincerity for the sake of Allah, and it comes from the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. Then the ayah says, the, the, carries on, and Allah says, وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ بالصبر. That people then, after they have Iman, and after they do righteous deeds, what do they do? They advise others. They encourage others. They encourage others with the truth. They call others to the... This is da'wah. This is the third aspect we spoke about, the issue of da'wah. They call others to the truth. What is the truth? The truth means to have true Iman and faith in Allah. The truth means to do righteous deeds according to the sunnah, the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. So people now, they, after they've, they've acquired iman and knowledge, after they are following the sunnah and doing righteous deeds, they call others to this methodology. bil بِالْحَقِّ To the truth. وَتَوَاصَوْا sabr So they call people to the truth, to follow the truth, the, the correct methodology, the correct belief system. And then they call others to, to patience. They, in, they encourage others to have, to have patience. Right? They encourage others to have patience. Have patience with the difficulties that are out there. Have patience with the harms people may come to you with. Have patience when you encourage others to do good and forbid evil, that they may retaliate. They may um, abuse you and so forth. You need to have patience. So we encourage others to have patience. Also, to have patience when worshipping Allah. Worshipping Allah requires patience. To stand up for Fajr requires that you, you know, make an effort and you stand up and have patience with your nafs. And abstaining for, from haram also requires patience. When we need to abstain from something that our desires are inclined towards, we need to have a specific level of patience to abstain from that. So we advise others with patience all the time this surah as we can see incorporates this, this this four things that the author has touched on which is seeking knowledge righteous deeds calling others to this to uh, inviting others to this knowledge and having patience and um, having patience so we see the power in this surah and this is a very very basic Um, commentary on the surah this is a very very basic commentary on this chapter which is an extremely powerful chapter of the Quran yet it is such a short and concise chapter of the Quran Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah he said (coughs) had this surah (coughs) sorry had Allah only revealed the surah upon his creation then that would have been sufficient for them as an evidence what did he mean by this He meant that as an admonishment, right? This doesn't incorporate all of the teachings of the deen. No, but it means as an admonishment, it incorporates all of the very important aspects of the religion. Importance of belief, importance of seeking knowledge, importance of doing righteous deeds, sticking to the sunnah, staying away from bid'ah and innovations, importance of calling others to the truth, da'wah. It shows us the importance of calling others to patience and us having patience. That's what the surah encompasses. That's what the surah entails. Hence Imam Shafi'i said that if this surah alone was revealed, this would have been sufficient for the people. Meaning sufficient as an advice, such sufficient as an admonishment. Subhanallah. So short, so concise, but yet so powerful. To end off, the author then said that Imam al-Bukhari said, Al al Amal, That Al-Bukhari Rahimahullah in his favorite book, Sahih al Bukhari, the compilation of Hadith, he has a chapter in there which is called Chapter Knowledge Comes Before Speech and Action. Knowledge is before speech and action. Right? And this is what we've spoken about over the last few weeks that before we act, before we talk, before we invite others, what do we have to do? We have to have knowledge. We have to first seek knowledge. Then he mentioned a proof for this chapter heading, which is the statement of Allah, إِلَّ which means Allah says, and know it's instruction to have knowledge, know, have knowledge. O Prophet O Muhammad, that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. So which means you have to have knowledge of this aspect, this affair of the kalima, the statement of La ilaha illallah, there's none worthy of worship except Allah. It's something that must be understood. It's something that must be that must be studied and learned. We must have knowledge. What does this statement mean? What does it um, what are the consequences of the statement? What are the conditions of the statement for us to 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 enter uh, and and and, and for, for us to really say we are the people of La Ilaha Illallah? There are conditions to the statement. It's important that we learn about it. Fa'alam. Allah started off by saying, "No, that He is not worthy of worship except Allah." Then, Was Then seek refi- uh, forgiveness for your sins. So, first thing is what knowledge. Then comes your 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 istighfar your action then comes your belief of la ilaha illallah then comes your actions so this ayah also proves that knowledge comes before speech and action as bukhari rahimahullah mentioned so the ayah starts off with knowledge before speech and action this is basically what imam al-bukhari rahimahullah has stated rabbil alamin. so in tonight's, tonight's lesson alhamdulillah we've given a brief um uh, explanation On the importance of having sabr When giving da'wah When conveying any message Whether it's in an official Stance, whether it's with, um, In front of lots of people Whether it's from a sheikh, whether it's In your own personal capacity Know that you need to have sabr With this, because it's very important That we have sabr with this ta'ala So alhamdulillah we've covered the first part of The book which is, first and foremost Seek knowledge, then act upon your knowledge, then call others to that knowledge, and then make sure that you maintain levels of sabr with whatever harms may come your way. Alhamdulillahi um, Rabbil Rabbil So before we end off, if there are any questions, um, we will take a few questions. Bidnilahi ala Barakallahu Fikum. Advice for giving da'wah to non Muslim family. Um, Advice, as I said, firstly comes knowledge. Know what you are according to, right? Learn about Tawheed, learn about Islam, learn about the Quran and the Sunnah, and convey what you have learned. So speak with knowledge, speak with insight, and have lots of. Patience when giving da'wah, especially to family and don't always rush them, you know, also show them your your character, show them your personality that has changed after becoming a Muslim, show them the beauty of Islam and the teachings of Islam in your character, in your personality, so go to them and show them extra kindness, extra khair and goodness. And then you, you can give them da'wah in a subtle way. At times you can give them da'wah a bit more openly. But I think a person should also try to mix up his approach, especially with family who you see a bit more often and you see um, you know, from time to time. So when you see them, show them the best of character, show them, uh, honor them in some type of way, and then try your best to show them the teachings of Islam, show them the superiority of the Qur'an. The perfection of the Qur'an and how it has been preserved from start to finish all of these years. Um, show them the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ and so forth. You know, inshallah. And then show them have, have lots of patience and make dua that Allah guides them as best as they can. This is uh, a, a basic advice and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. My friends sell drugs but they are Muslims and I can't turn them to pray. Should I abandon them or what? Allahumma First and foremost, give them nasiha. And advise them to pray as, as much as you can. Advise them to give up their sins. Show them some warnings from the Quran and the Sunnah um, on intoxicants on selling intoxicants, that the money that they are earning is also haram, that they're not only harming themselves, they're harming every person out there. And if somebody out there is killed by this or seriously hurt by this, they will be liable for this. So you can warn them and you can advise them as much as you can, as best as you can. And pray to Allah Azza wa that Allah guides them as well. Um... I would say not. May, maybe it's best to avoid the company from time to time, but never stop sending them messages of advice on a personal level and a private level. Um, I would say as best as you can not to avoid this, and Allah Azza wa knows best. Is delaying salah to attend to a sick parent shirk ustad. No. Of course not. Um, delaying salah is not shirk. Delaying salah is, is, is obviously not something that's preferred. Obviously the best salah is as-salatu ala waqtiha, as the hadith says. Um, the best uh, of all deeds is to pray on time. Um, however, if we have a valid excuse to delay the salah a little bit, that's fine. As long as we, we, we don't delay the salah out of its time, out of the specific uh, allocated time that uh, Sharia has placed um, For example The hadith says that <clears throat> If the food is served If the food is served and Then you should actually delay the Salah somewhat Because The, the hikmah is that If you are going to pray and your mind is on the food You are not going to be focused So actually first eat and then go pray Okay um, And so if parents are sick a parent is, is again very important Birrul uh, Walidain in Islam Being you know, obedient to our parents And serving our parents Is one of the greatest acts of worship That a person can do So if a parent is in need of, of some assistance Then we should assist them As soon as they are in need And if this means that our Salah is slightly delayed Then this is no problem But we should not make it that out the house, That we do not make Salah uh, in its allocated wakt, In its allocated time if it's slightly delayed for this reason, then that's a valid reason, inshallah. But if, it, if you can't pray on time, pray on time. If you delay it a little bit, then that's fine. It would not be an, an act of shirk. Um, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Would a Muslim say any prayers at the deathbed of a non Muslim? If so, what would they pray? Um, Allahu <clears throat> A'lam. Um, we know that it's not permissible to pray for forgiveness for a non Muslim who has passed away, right? Um, and this is proven in many a hadith and even in the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jalla said. Ma kana that is not befitting for the Prophet, nor those who believe, to seek forgiveness for the polytheists. If the person is on their deathbed, then I would say it's you should encourage them to say La ilaha illallah. You should encourage them at that moment as best as you can, if it's possible, to accept Islam, to say the statement of Tawheed, to believe in Allah, and Allah alone. If this is Possible, you should do this as you're praying for them at that moment. What prayer could benefit them at that point? Allah, except maybe guidance. Allah changes their hearts to accept the message of Islam, um Allah cures them and such that they can then accept Islam. You could make a general dua like this, um, but asking Allah to enter them into paradise is not permissible, asking Allah to forgive their sins is not permissible, based on the ayah that I quoted. And this ayah was revealed because of Abu Talib. Abu Talib was on his deathbed, the uncle of Rasulullah, وسلم, and he was beloved to the Prophet. And on his deathbed, the Prophet said to him, uh, "O oh my uncle, say La ilaha illallah. my uncle, say La ilaha illallah. It's a word that I will stand in front of Allah with, and I will intercede on your behalf through this statement. I will stand there in front of Allah. If you say this word, this statement then I will be there interceding on your behalf because of the statement. But at the same time, the other uncles were there and they said to Abu Talib, are you going to give up the religion of your father, of Abdul Muttalib? And he said, I will die upon the religion of Abdul Muttalib. And he died as a disbeliever. And then the Prophet said, I will seek forgiveness for you, O my uncle, as long as I'm not forbidden from that. Meaning if Allah allows it, I will ask Allah to forgive you. But if Allah stops me from this, then I will not. Allah then revealed this the ayah. is not befitting for the Prophet nor the people of Iman, the people who believe, to seek forgiveness for the polytheists. So we cannot pray for their forgiveness. And there are other ahadith that prove this as well. Um, and Allah knows best. So you can pray that um, they, they get health. You can pray um, for their guidance. Other than that, Allah knows best. <coughs> Would they pray for, say, physical good? Physical good meaning that, yes, you can pray for, for health. It's not a problem. ease is in death. Allah knows best. Allah knows best. If that's permissible. Allah alam. Can I give da'wah on the streets even my knowledge is limited? I haven't got enough Islamic education, but I know the basics. If you are giving da'wah, right, make sure that if you're going out on the streets, then I would say make sure that you have somebody that's with you that has a bit more knowledge okay that you have something that's with you that is more knowledgeable so if you are to speak to somebody you only speak what you know you only speak about what you know for certain the moment is a question or something comes up that you don't know you can refer to the brother that's a bit more knowledgeable and in this case it should be no problem and allah knows best but very importantly don't speak without knowledge <clears throat> Uh, People never heard about Islam They will be judged on the day of Qiyamah They will be judged on the day of Qiyamah By Allah Azza wa Jal Yes so Look the apparent is that they died as disbelievers The apparent is that they died as disbelievers So we would not pray for their forgiveness Necessarily Right however If this is their situation and Allah knows best And Allah is the most just Allah does not harm any of his slaves If this is the case and they will be tested on the day of Qiyamah and Allah will judge them upon that on the day of Qiyamah Um, but we wouldn't say that look perhaps this person didn't know about Islam and so therefore we can pray for their forgiveness because in that case we can make an excuse for any person and say let's just pray for all the mushrikeen and all the disbelievers um, and so forth so we, we in Islam we judge upon what's apparent we judge upon the apparent so some people, for example, will say, but you don't know. Maybe they died as a Muslim. Maybe uh, there's some possibility that they were concealing the Islam, or maybe just before they died, they said the Shahada of La ilaha illallah. Well, we don't know if they did that. At the end of the day, we judge what's apparent. And that what's apparent is that the person was a disbeliever, so we do not seek their forgiveness, right? But Allah knows best. And if Allah wants, if Allah knows that there are um if, if Allah knows the condition, and if Allah knows that they are deserved of forgiveness, He will forgive them. Right? And they will be tested on the day of Qiyamah, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Uh, best book recommendations for studying Tawheed. Uh, in English, in English, I would say, that Kitab Al-Tawheed of Sheikh Ibn Abdul Rahim Allah is a very very good book, it's very thorough, it covers a lot of topics And you should look for one with a commentary, it's very important to have one with a commentary that you can benefit from That explains exactly what is meant by the various chapters and what's meant by the verses and the hadith that are mentioned in those chapters A more basic book is the book that we are doing, which is the three fundamental principles. This is also available in English um, and so forth. Um, Another very good book that I've come across in English would be the book by Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan. Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, which is (coughs) called A Guide to the Sound Creed. A Guide to the Sound Creed, which is translated uh, in the English language. I think it's by a UK publishing house. Uh, you can find this book. They also published a kitabu tawheed by Sheikh Salih Fauzan as well, a commentary by Sheikh Salih Fauzan as well. Um, these are very good books. So that one is slightly different to so kitabu tawheed The Guide to a Sound Creed is a very good book. Um, I believe that Dr. Bilal Phillips' book Fundamentals of Tawheed is also very good. It's also very good. Um, and then there are many others. There are many others. I'm not aware of all of the books that are translated and all the books that are available in the English language. But from what I've mentioned, inshallah there is um, a lot of benefit to be found in those books. If you were to go to a good bookstore, you can. I'm sure you would find a lot more over there, inshallah. And Allah knows best. What are your thoughts about the Taliban or the according to the Quran and the Sunnah Allah alam, I don't knownta uh, such as is there a religious obligation upon Muslims in the West to make hijrah towards places where Muslims are struggling with you had in mind in, in, in mind in what you had in mind in war torn countries. Um if the jihad that's taking place in those countries are legitimate, if the jihad that is taking place in those countries are legitimate and a person goes there with that intention, um, then perhaps he can be he will be rewarded for this, but it depends on the situation. It depends on the circumstances. Um, at some places there's chaos taking place and you wouldn't know you know if you go to certain countries you wouldn't know who you end up fighting for so even though the person goes with a good intention there's absolute chaos going on there's so many factions that are fighting each other where there's muslims killing muslims groups this group and that group cases like this is probably best to stay away because it's the whole situation is unclear (coughs) and so the issue of jihad is that jihad is supposed to be done In an organized fashion under a muslim ruler and so forth where things are done um really in an organized not 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 like the way it's become today of absolute chaos people pack up and they go you know this is not the way it should be done this is not this is not correct um so i wouldn't recommend that a person basically um packs up and he goes for jihad because that's not that's not how jihad works you know that's not how jihad works if it's done in a in a systemized way where there's a ruler, there's an army that we know what they're fighting for, what they're defending, and so forth. In this case, we can, it's something different. But just people packing up and going and coming. And I mean, how many stories have we not heard of people from the West who's gone to places and they end up finding a way back home because what they found there was completely different? So, Allahu Mustaan I would say that in a case like this, we should avoid these places of of confusion. Um, Even though the intention may be there, Allah can reward you for your intention, but just packing up and going, um, this is not the way jihad is supposed to be done. And Allah ultimately knows best. Um, I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, we, Alhamdulillah, we covered quite a number of questions. And we we'll ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to forgive us if we made any, any errors. Whatever uh, was incorrect is from myself, from Shaytan. Whatever is correct is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum. Uh, we'll meet again next week, inshallah, where we will continue with our commentary of the book. Barakallahu Allah fi wa sala ala Nabihina Muhammad wa ala alhi wa Sahbih Ajma'il Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik Shadu Allah ilaha illa Anta staghfiruka wa atubu ilaik Salaamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu